Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's word and apply his message to your everyday life. Visit seekingtruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part one of the book of Genesis, chapters eight and nine. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Hi, everybody. Welcome tonight for Genesis and our discussion of chapters 8 and 9. Now, remember last week, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only continually evil. This is our condition after the fall. The Lord was sorry that he had made the earth. It grieved him to his heart because he loved his beloved children. He wanted us with him in full participation. But at this point, the Lord is ready to blot out man who he has created off the face of the earth, for I am sorry that I even made him. But Noah, one man, one righteous man, Noah, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So that's a really important out of everyone on the face of the earth. There's one man who has found favor. Another translation calls it grace. Noah found grace in the eye of the Lord. It's the same word used for Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace. Oh, highly favored daughter, some of the translations say. It's the same grace that filled Mary and filled Noah. A little bit different. Noah found grace. Mary is full of grace. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, hail favored one, the Lord is with you. And it's a Greek word called karikatomene. It's a perfect passive participle in the Greek. It's a very special word. A perfect passive participle in the feminine, in the feminine, was, she was, she is, and evermore will be full of grace. Or you could say most highly exalted woman would be another definition. So Gabriel's really saying, Mary, you are full of grace. You have always been full of grace and you will continue to be full of grace in the future. And I love St. John Chrysostom's prayer. And and I prayed this this week because when you pray the the caricatomene, just the word, you know, heightens your awareness. Hail caricatomene, unreaped land of heavenly grain. Hail caricatomene, virgin mother, true and unfailing vine. Hail caricatomene, faultless one, carrying the immutable divinity. Hail Karakatomene, spacious room for the unattainable nature. Hail Karakatomene, new bride of a widowed world and incorrupt offspring. Hail Karakatomene, weaving as creature a crown not made by hands. Hail Karakatomene, habitation of holy fire. Hail Karakatomene, return of the fugitive word. I won't read all of them, but they're so beautiful to pray with. The last one, hail Karakatomene, splendor of heaven, having the one contained, uncontained by the heavens in herself, God confined and unconfined. So Mary is full of grace. Noah found grace. Mary's full of grace, but both are arcs in a way. Noah's ark and Mary, they're both symbols of the church. The early church fathers saw them as symbols of the church. Later in the Exodus, we see a different kind of ark for Mary, one that houses the true presence of God. It's a new type of ark. She will be a new ark of a new 
covenant, the true presence of God within her own ark, her womb, the manna that was in there, the bread of life, Jesus, Aaron's rod, the priestly authority, uh, the covenant of love, the new covenant, and the mercy seat on top, which he is the mercy seat, Jesus, all those things contained within Mary, Karakatomene. But in Genesis tonight, I want to talk about Mary as the new Eve. That's the title for Mary in Genesis, the new Eve. And in typology, we have types and anti-types. So a type is a symbol appointed by God to adumbrate. And I don't know, what's, what's that mean? What to, to, to adumbrate, to foreshadow or symbolize, to indicate faintly. Something higher in the future, which is called the anti-type. So the type is less than the anti-type, but it points towards it. So Eve is the type and Mary is the anti-type. Eve will adumbrate someone much higher in the future, which is Mary. And so we see some opposites, the Eve and the new Eve. The early church fathers saw it readily. When the creation of woman happened, woman, she was taken from man. The Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. God created man. God allowed man to name all the beastly creatures, and Eve was not yet even created. God formed every beast and every bird, and he brought them personally to man and to see what man would name them, what man would call them. So he's letting man be king of this new creation. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to everything, cattle, birds, everything. But for the man... There was not found a helper fit for him. And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while the man slept, the Lord took one of man's ribs and closed it up with flesh. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, the Lord God made, he fashioned it into a woman. And the Lord God brought her to the man personally. The opposite happens. Woman came from man's body, but with the new Adam, the new man will come from woman's body. Jesus, the new Adam, will come from Eve's body. So it's the opposite. Uh, so we call Mary, the new Eve, the untire of knots. She unties all the knots that Steve, that uh, Eve tied, not Steve. Steve, <laughs> Steve tied a few also. <laughs> but Eve. Eve comes through Adam, but through the new Adam comes the new Eve, Mary. So it's just the opposite. Mary unties it. The Lord God brought her to the man. I love some of these old paintings. She is the grand finale of all created things. Woman is. She's the very last thing. And women, can you contemplate that for just a moment? Because you, woman, is the grand finale finale of all the created order. That's amazing. Women are the climax of all God's good created order. Your creme de la creme, ladies. Your icing on the cake. You're the cherry on top of all creation. Because the all-knowing, omnipotent God already knew that woman would be necessary for his ultimate logos. This plan he had, his plan A for salvation all along is going to require a woman. That's why she's last. She's the grand finale. Ladies, you take the cake. You really do. God must create woman to fulfill his eternal plan. 
The Savior is uncreated light from unchangeable light, but the chamber needed to house that light must contribute the human DNA needed for the Savior's dual human nature. God needs human genetic DNA for his plan A, and that's going to come from woman. He must create woman to fulfill his eternal plan. And he had this in his mind's eye before the beginning of time. The womb, the womb of woman will be God's greatest gift to woman. Women, we can change the world. We really can. It's the greatest gift. We have a womb, and that differentiates us from men. The womb is the greatest gift of God in all the created order. Do you know that? The only, 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 only women are blessed with a womb. And the womb is the one thing that we have that men don't. Now, you would think this is the safest place on the face of the earth to make a dwelling. But it's not anymore. The evil one has convinced some that the womb is not a gift, but that it is a hindrance to be managed and life to be avoided. So the womb will be the gift that Satan wanted most to destroy. And he was waiting and watching for centuries because something coming from womb of woman is going to crush his head and he's watching. But when the time had finally come, fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Because that fruit is Jesus. A blessed virgin woman was in God's logos before the beginning of time. The fruit of her blessed virginal womb will bring salvation to the entire world. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Eve's fruit, opposite whether it was an apple, a fig, or a pomegranate, it didn't bring blessing. It brought curse. Mary's fruit of her womb will bring blessing. Mary's fruit of the womb is Jesus, and it, uh, Jesus ushered in the Father's greatest blessing of all time, once for all. And we pray, Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy. If she's the Mother of Mercy, mercy is Jesus. That's what Pope Francis said in his Misericordiae Veltus, first first words he said, Jesus Christ is the face of the Father's mercy, and she's the mother of mercy. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry for poor banished children of Eve, the other woman. Adam and Eve and all their subsequent children will be banished or exiled, and we're all banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. It's really hard here in this banished, exiled land. We're trying to get to the promised land, and we're stuck here. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and show us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Do you know how many promises of Christ there are in the New Testament that you're praying to be worthy of? 750. There are 750 New Testament promises of Jesus Christ. Some are repeated in the Gospels. So if you count them separately, 250 separate promised benefits of believing in Jesus Christ, promises you can stand on. Woman is the climax of all God's creation, and immediately the serpent wants to target man's perfect companion as the way to get to man. He's very clever. And a fallen angel named Lucifer, disguised as a beautiful snake, beguiles Eve. Could Adam have stopped it? Yes, Adam could have. He was with her. Genesis 3, verse 6. She gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it. 
Adam could have pleaded with her. Does Adam have his head in the sand? Yes, he does. Since Adam alone was the only one who heard God's initial command because Eve wasn't even created yet, Adam should have protected Eve. No, Eve! No! No! He heard God's command, but Adam stayed quiet. Why do we do that? Why do we stay quiet? It's called passivity. It's prevalent. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. We don't want to say anything. Don't want to upset the apple cart. I looked at passivity in the dictionary. Acceptance of what happens without active response or resistance. That's passivity. Do you ever feel passive in today's secular culture? Like you don't want to say anything, you don't agree, but you're not going to say anything. Just keep your head down and stay quiet, right? We know something is wrong, but we say nothing. The silence, this is the omission to speak. This is what caused the fall of humankind. Why don't we speak up? Pope Francis says, let us learn from the Virgin Mary how to be bolder in obeying the word of God. We need holy boldness and courage. Why was Adam so passive? They had never known evil, ever. They only know every good and perfect gift from the Father. They weren't expecting evil that day. They were fully in love, or so they thought. But true love is denial of self. True love is denial of self and laying down one's own life for the other. True love is to save another, to save another as well as to save one's own self. By giving yourself away, you gain your own eternal beatitude, your own eternal joy. Adam could have laid down his own life for Eve right then and there. That's exactly what the new Adam did for his bride. And this was not passivity. This is a trap for Satan. He's leading him right in for the kill. So when woman saw that the fruit was good, a delight to the eyes, a desire to make her wise, she took that fruit and she ate because she wanted experiential knowledge, not the acquired knowledge God had told her through Adam. And she also gave some to her husband and he ate and in full freedom with full knowledge, God told him personally and with full consent, Adam sinned mortally. His immortal corporeal body would now die. His immortal spiritual soul was deeply, deeply wounded. And both will need saving to live forever with God again. And the word Jesus means God saves. So in Latin, Adam is called a peccator and Eve is called a peccatrix, a male sinner and a female sinner. But Romans 5 has a, a felix culpa there, a happy fault of Adam. If because one man, Adam's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Paul sees an old Adam and a new Adam. Paul sees that Adam is more culpable than Eve. Adam is more responsible. Mia copa, mia copa, mia maxima copa. Adam is more, he heard the command from God, he didn't protect Eve. So he's the peccator, the male sinner, and Eve now is called the co-peccatrix, a co-sinner who's a female in Latin, a sinner and a co-sinner. Adam gets more responsibility. So it's just the opposite now. Jesus is the full redeemer, he did the work on the cross once for all, but Mary cooperates in the redemption of Christ right from the start. 
and right to the finish, all the way through, she is a cooperator. And so in Latin, it's called a redeemer and a co-redemptrix. It's a male savior and a female co-savior. And that really wigs people out, but they don't understand the Latin. It's like a pilot and a co-pilot. She's, you know, the pilot drives the plane, lands the plane, does everything. The co-pilot is there by his side. That's what it means. Pilot in sin and a co-pilot in sin. Pilot in redemption and co-pilot in redemption. So when, and we get the same chance because when we are baptized into Christ, we become co-pilots too. We're co-creators. Have you ever had a child? You're a co-creator and we're co-redemptors. And how are we a co-redemptor in this plan? Because when you're baptized into Christ, Paul says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. Our sufferings mean something. Our sufferings complete what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. In this way, God gives meaning to human suffering. Suffering becomes something co-redemptive in Christ. So we have a part in redemption as well. You're a co-redemptrix if you're a woman. You're a co-redeemer if you're a man. With Christ, in Christ, through Christ. And your suffering matters when it's offered for the body of Christ, for the sins of the world, for the reparation of sin, for the saving of souls. So that's pretty cool. Adam's sin was transmitted to his offspring. That's not cool. So we're all now saddled with original sin. There's now an absence of God's infused grace into our spiritual soul of all Adam and Eve's subsequent children. And it's called original sin. See the baby hand holding the apple now in the snake, the child hand. Every human being now will need a savior. We need a new Adam and we need a new Eve. A new Eve's going to be pulled from the side of the new Adam. From the new man is pulled a new woman. I love these old paintings showing the woman coming out of the side of Christ on the cross. There's the original Eve. There's the new Eve being pulled from the side of Christ on the cross. What sprays out when the soldier pierces Christ? Blood and water gushes forth. Woman, the new Eve, right there, right there, never leaves his side. She is a co in this cooperator. She's a new queen of a new creation. She's the mother of mercy. Jesus himself is mercy. And she trusts God's word 100% until the very end. She's a new Eve. She knew Zechariah 12. They will look on the one whom they have pierced. They shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. A new Eve was confirmed at the cross. A new woman, a new man, a new marriage is consummated right there. Not at Cana. That was the start of it. They're out of wine. But at Calvary, it's complete. Jesus said, woman, Jesus said to John, she said to Mary, woman, behold your son. And Jesus said to the disciple, John, John, behold your mother. The old Eve was woman, but after the fall, Adam, who now rules, named her Eve, the mother of all the living, but Eve's children weren't really spiritually living. They're spiritually dead. They've been mortally wounded from sin. The new Eve, Mary, is really the mother of all the living, the spiritually living children of God. And that water and blood that sprayed on her from the cross, that's baptism in Eucharist, just right in her face. It's the initiation into the church, which is the body of Christ, and it's a Marian church and a Patrine church. Think of John, who was standing at the cross, 
Behold your mother. Behold this woman. He's a new priest in a new priesthood. It's her new son. Jesus has given Mary over to John's care. And now John, can, this painting shows John giving Mary the first Eucharist, her own son, the body of Christ in this new covenant marriage. Mary is the new Eve. Each person is baptized into Christ, becomes her new child that she will feed. Ma what do good mamas do? They wash their babies, they give them baths, and they feed them. Wash with baptism water and feed with the Eucharist. Mary is the new Eve, and his human DNA was derived from her human DNA. Blessed Virgin Mary, cursed Virgin Eve. It's opposite, but Mary will untie the knots. Mary becomes a co-cooperator in Eve's salvation. Mary helps save Eve, and I love this old painting. See Mary holding Eve's hand? Like, I got you, girl. We got this. Blessed Virgin Mary. The fallen angel Lucifer disguised himself as a serpent, beguiled Eve, his lies to trust your own experience. Do not trust God's word and you can be like God. And she already was like God in his image and likeness. So everything is opposite with the new Eve. The fallen angel Lucifer speaks right into her ear. The good angel Gabriel speaks right into Mary's ear as well and unties the knot. The virgin woman was not beguiled, Mary. She hears and she knows and she trusts God's word. She stays true to the acquired knowledge of God through scripture. All the paintings always show Mary with her Bible. Eve opted for experiential knowledge over acquired knowledge that God had blessed them with. Mary's going to untie that knot. Mary will stay with acquired knowledge that she had known from his revealed scripture. She always has it with her and the lily of purity. Eve trusted Lucifer's words through the snake. Mary will untie that knot. Mary trusted God's words through Gabriel. Eve had original sin. Mary unties that knot. Mary was born free from original sin by a singular act of God's grace. The baby Mary is full of grace. Karakatomene. Eve's firstborn son Cain is born with original sin. He will bring murder into the world. Mary unties that knot. Mary's firstborn son Jesus has no original sin and he will bring eternal life back into the world. Mary's son brought resurrection and life into the world. Eve's murdering son is banished further east, remember? Mary will untie that knot. Mary's son will cleanse those who were banished east. It's in Ezekiel 47, this wonderful stream. He brought me back to the entrance of the temple and there I saw water flowing from out under the thresholds of the temple to the east. That's the direction that the sinners are. Jesus says, I am the temple. I am the temple. My body is a temple. He's lanced and water flows to the east. Whoever believes as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That new temple with living water flowing to the east cleanses the sin of mankind that has been banished further and further and further east in the book of Genesis so far. Eve gets doubly cursed. She's cursed with painful childbearing. She's cursed with that inequality with man. Mary will untie that. Did the new Eve have pain in childbirth? Only Joseph knows, and he's not saying anything <laughs> in all the scriptures. Joseph remains silent. Some things are personal mysteries, only for them to know. Uh, 
Are they unequal as partners? No way. Joseph revered her like none other. He never used her physically in any way. He would never, ever, ever touch the new ark of a new covenant, and he would guard her purity in every way humanly possible. Eve was banished from paradise. See Mary up in the up in the clouds. Mary will untie that. Mary was assumed body and soul back into paradise. Mary really is the untire of knots, the new Eve. This is a painting of the death of the virgin. We don't talk about this much. There's the death of Mary. Here it is again, death and assumption of the virgin Mary, uh, death of the virgin, the assumption of the virgin, these beautiful paintings. We know Already in Genesis 5, somebody was assumed. His name was Enoch. In Genesis 5, all the days of Enoch were 365. He walked with God and he was not, for God took him. He was assumed into heaven, body and soul. We have precedence for that, for Mary. Yeah, in Hebrews 11:5, Enoch was taken up. God had taken him. He was taken up and attested as having pleased God. Do you think Mary pleased God? Uh-huh. Yes, Mary pleased God perfectly. And the ancient text called Transitus Maria, passing on or crossing over of Mary by Melito of Sardis, describes the assumption in detail. He was a bishop in Sardis uh, in, near Smyrna. And this is what he says, and I quote, In the presence of the apostles gathered around her bed, also in the presence of her divine son and many angels, Mary died, and her soul rose to heaven, accompanied by Christ and the angels. You see in these paintings Jesus holding a little baby. That's the soul of Mary. And there it is again in this painting. He has Mary's little soul on a blanket. And he takes the soul up in the presence of the apostles gathered around her bed, also in the, the presence of her divine son and many angels. Mary died and her soul rose to heaven accompanied by Christ and the angels. Her body was buried by the disciples. St. John Damascene confirms that. He, he writes a story of the Assumption of Mary. He gives it, he says, St. Juvenal, Bishop of Jerusalem at the Council of Chaldean in 451, made known to the Emperor Marcion and Pulcheria, who wished to possess the body of the Mother of God, that Mary died in the presence of all the apostles, but that her tomb was opened upon the request of St. Thomas and was found empty, wherefrom the apostles concluded that the body had been taken up to heaven. St. John Damascene. So Pius XII considered this response as a certain and firm proof that the assumption is a truth revealed by God. The core of the dogma states, we pronounce and declare and define it to be a, a divinely revealed dogma that the Immaculate Mother of God, the ever-Virgin Mary, having completed the course of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory. And that's church doctrine. And he leaves a little room there, having completed the course of her earthly life. He doesn't say if she fell asleep or she died, because there's discrepancy there between Catholic and Orthodox on that matter. So he leaves the language open. The proclamation calls upon the ancient liturgical celebrations and the constant belief of the faithful as major reasons for this dogmatic definition. That was part one of the book of Genesis, chapters eight and nine, on Seeking Truth, with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.